Hi, I'm Vivek Santayana of the Edinburgh City Corfball Club, and this is the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Neela Brennan, and I play for England Corfball and Trojans Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press. Hi, I'm Chief Irshad, Scotland Corfball Association and Edinburgh University Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. I'm Nina Murdoch, I play for Edinburgh City Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Corfball Player Profiles is the 14th season of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, Theo McLeod talks to players about their lives outside of the sport, as well as their careers, experiences and perspectives within Corfball. Hi, it's Christy Smiley from Edinburgh City Corfball Club and Scotland. You're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. You join us with our Corfball specials today and you join us with Christy Smiley. Hi, hello. Am I, am I pronouncing that surname correctly? Yes, correct. Smiley. Uh, a couple of my teammates had only recently realised they didn't know how to say it, but it's smiley like smiley face. I was looking at, looking at, at the name there going... Is it different because it's two L's? We should have checked. No, it's definitely smiley. You can spell it a couple of different ways, but um, yeah, smiley face. So, Christy, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Who are you? Where are you from? How did you get involved in Corfball? Yes, okay. Um, So as you know, it's Christy, smiley face. And I'm from Scotland. I'm living in Edinburgh just now. I grew up fairly close to here. Um, playing a range of sports in the back garden or in sports halls, netball, basketball, that sort of thing. Really liked moving about. And I guess I got to the age where you think it's time to move out, popped across to uni and wasn't good enough for netball or the basketball teams. Uh, so I did a little year out of playing sport and stumbled across corfball um, in my second year of studying. I studied geology at uni, quite like my rocks. I quite like throwing and catching too. So when they said throwing and catching, there's boys and girls here, you can meet all sorts of new people, loads of fun socials. I thought that's the sport for me. Signed up, went along and never really looked back. I've questioned a few times, but I've never really thought, you know what, it's time to change to a different sport. But yeah, it was just at a university, university sort of sports fair situation, which I think is changing for a lot of people. You don't just find it at universities anymore. A lot of people are seeing it on Facebook adverts or um, where they're actively looking for clubs maybe as adults who have not studied um, but for me it was the, the easiest way in. Guess what else could I tell you? Yeah I'm in Edinburgh it's a lovely place we've got a couple of corfball clubs here and yeah Edinburgh's a great wee city definitely. So as your corfball career has, has advanced and progressed has your studies in geology kept you quite grounded? Oh, fantastic. I wish. I wish. <laughs> the, the, the study in geology was fantastic. It's not quite what, what I do now. Um, I quite like making pretty graphs. But yeah, I suppose I do have a corfball career. I've been at this for quite a while now. I checked before I joined the call and I started playing in 2015. I know the pandemic's stolen a couple of years of our, our careers, but yeah, I was looking back and I was like, my goodness, that actually was quite a long time ago. Yeah, so it's a career. You're right. Where did you go to uni? It just in Edinburgh, yeah. Edinburgh University. Yes, yeah, it's the, the main university with a corfball team. But hopefully we'll be setting up, hopefully, in other universities and other places across the city. But 
Edinburgh University's got three teams and I was involved with all of them whilst I was studying. Did you have any roles at Edinburgh Uni? Were you a captain or anything like this? So no, not quite captain, but um, I played for a year and I was asked to coach and I thought, my goodness, I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to coach. And I got chucked into the deep end. I was given a full team of my own. I was given the third team beginners in 2016. And it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. There was a short sort of training course to top up your sort of corfball skills, your technical ability, and a little bit about how to communicate with groups. It was down in Avon Turl. It's run by England Corfball. It was very interesting. It was absolutely fantastic to meet people roughly my age, roughly just getting into coaching and starting to play. Um, so I took those wee skills and had a blast. Two full semesters playing with the, the threes, getting people comfortable just catching a ball or throwing it or moving the right way and trying to make it engaging and inclusive. Oh, I had a great time. I absolutely loved that year. So then when I get to my third year of studies, my final year, sorry, of studies, they were like, so you had a great time with the third team. Do you want to add on a second team too? <laughs> I said, sure, why not? <laughs> um, because I was working quite a lot to kind of cover uni and I was obviously trying to study as well. And I thought, you know what, I need some more corkball for the right balance, the work-life balance in there. Um, and I was playing as well for the, the first team at the time. Uh, but yeah, the, the first year of just getting let loose, go and have a team, you can make it a great space, get more people involved and you can see week on week that oh, some people are bringing their friends, some people are bringing their flatmates and we've got 50 people in this tiny hall, whereas in previous years we were kind of restricted to maybe 20 or so would show up. But it was nice to see that all the effort that was being put in was actually people were coming along and having fun, which is is what corfball is really all about. You can pay, play really competitively if you want, but if you're not having fun at any level, you kind of got to question why, why are you putting your energy into it? So yes, that, that would be a definite, definite highlight back at uni and how involved I was, was very, very involved. I suppose that this is the essence of sports development, isn't it? It's just getting people through the door first. Definitely. Getting them people through the door, asking the question, what is corfball? Why do I want to do it? And then once they've come through the door, getting them to stay. <laughs> um, but once people have kind of realised that, oh, it is a little bit fun, it's more exercise based, or maybe they want to just be better at running about. If you can tick one of those boxes for people, they generally do stick around. But retention is a huge issue at university teams just because students are so busy they have different challenges with work or people go on and graduate as well so there's a really high turnover every year but yeah absolutely fantastic time coaching uni definitely so how old are you now 23 23 yeah. so started in 2015 so we've been what 17 when you yeah I, I went to university at 17 yep yep for the first semester I was having cups of tea in the evenings and my friends were partying <laughs> Um, but no, I'm, I'm happy I went when I, I did to study, definitely. Yeah, would recommend join a sports team to anybody that's thinking about even just moving out or maybe they're just an adult working. It's a nice sort of social exercise as well. You don't just go and run around a track or you're in the gym by yourself. It, having that sort of community makes moving away from home a lot easier for some people as well, definitely. 
just to put that into context for the for the English listeners who start school at five in Scotland, you can start school at about four and a half, which means yes. mean every now and again you get a seventeen-year-old student at university. Yes. Yeah, because our our intake runs from I think it's end of February through to February, and if I'm right, I think down south is it September to September, so you can get caught the kind of awkward side of that. But I've never had any real problems with it. I've always quite enjoyed being the young one, and I'm quite tall as well, so people are we're always surprised. They're like, "Are you sure you're that age?" <laughs> so I was like, five foot ten as a teenager. <laughs> How tall are you now? only a little bit taller than that I think I peaked at 14 we've not really grown too much since then <laughs> you say you've played basketball and netball before it must make life a bit easier oh, it was it's, it's a real skill being tall in some sports but do you know that's what's quite nice about corfball is you just kind of got to be fast or good at shooting yeah you don't really get matched up with there's such a height range and everybody anyway so there's a couple of people who are a little bit shorter people are a little bit taller um, and size-wise as well, we've got a huge variety of people, all different shapes and sizes. So it's quite interesting to be paired up against somebody and you completely remove what you think about, oh, they're going to be really strong because they're really tall when actually you're just moving about fast and trying to shoot. The defendy drill sorts of, sort of helps with the balance of that. And we've got to be a certain distance away from your defending player to take a shot, the defendy drill. I think it's been discussed on other corfball episodes, but it, it helps level the playing field. Where in netball, you just have to stand, I think it's three feet away. Um, so if you're six foot four, you can just reach your hand over the top of whoever's shooting and get in the way. Uh, so it's quite a nice bonus from corfball. It hopefully helps people who might not be as tall feel a bit more equal, which is quite nice. I suppose the shooting regulations has an effect on on height, in specifically when you're attacking or defending in that instance. What about sort of in the more sort of central areas in the build-up? Receiving the ball before you make the pass? But yeah, it's, it's an important consideration. So the way that you can kind of mark the ball out to stop it being passed between attacking players, you kind of... You can stand as wide as you want with your arms stretched out all the way to your fingertips. So having a wide wingspan can help. But then some people are really sneaky with their shorter passes or they catch you off guard. They just have to get creative players that might not have quite a quite a big wingspan, I guess. Yeah, they just pass around you. Talk about pairing up here in Corfball. You can only get paired up against... Uh, a male can only be paired up against another male. A female can only be paired up against another female. Being that the average age for women in in the UK is about what five foot six. Yeah, it's about that. Than, yeah, four inches shorter than you. A little bit. I've never really, I've never really noticed, but um, I think my height has been capitalised on in all of the sports I've played since I was a child. I even played volleyball for a bit because the the PE teacher at the time was like, "You're tall, you're tall to be my friend," and <laughs> we played volleyball for a year. We weren't any good, but we were we were tall. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess the, the the average height will be a factor, but I've never really noticed. Maybe that's a, a privilege there, definitely. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. 
We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. How how similar is netball and basketball to korfball? What skills did you learn from those sports that you've brought over here? What habits did you have to get rid of? So there's always the classic description. I think everybody, if you ask them, what is korfball? They'll say, oh, it's a mixture of netball and basketball. It's Dutch. It's fast. It's fun. You shoot to score. But really, when you break it down, the comparison is quite weak, I find. There's a lot of rules with korfball that make it its own special sport. It didn't come from, so basketball, you can change it to play 3v3 or you can change it so it's fives. You can, you can mix it up if you're playing half court. Netball, you now have like a super shooting zone where you're shooting from further away for extra points. You have positions. Korfball doesn't, doesn't really match. But as a basic level, the comparison's fair. I guess skills you can take across is kind of ball awareness, cooperative play as well as really important just being used to playing in a team I think I took that one over throwing and catching can be a good skill to pick up in many places but much easier in netball the ball is a similar weight in netball it's slightly lighter but even a women's basketball is heavier than a corf ball um, so it's not quite the same there habits that were really hard to break I, I used to play defense in every sport that I've played I must just be wired a certain way so I'm used to standing on my tiptoes over somebody's head at netball or, you know, being the last line of defence in basketball. I'm not afraid of getting in there and being a bit more rebounding and realising that in corfball, you've, you've kind of got to do both. Some people will be more natural attackers and defenders, but it's really good fun because you're not just goalkeeper in corfball. That was a real habit to try and break is that you actually, to win, you have to try and score to score when I was used to other people doing that for me. So that's a real skill that I've had to break down and pick up. Not bouncing the ball either. Not that I was any good at dribbling. I was never able to pass it through my legs or anything like that. But realising you can't move with the ball, that took a little bit of time. And of course, the height of the basket. And I know I said I'm, in, I'm a defensive player back, back when I used to play other sports. But the basket is significantly taller than what you would ever play with in any other sports. That's a real big change for people, even if they've played at quite a high level, basketball or netball or any other throw and catch in sports. You're like, my goodness, that is quite tall. You can't touch it. You can't you can't get close to it. Although I did see on YouTube somebody did slam dunk, although I'm not convinced it's real. It's three and a half meters off the ground. That's quite an impressive dunk, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. It's their thighs. Who that was must have thighs like yeah, <laughs> must be real strong, definitely. Yes, the positional changeover of every was it every few points or so. Every two goals, yeah. That I find interesting. I was reading Giver Mentor's autobiography, mm-hmm. who's the, the great English netball player. Yes. She's over six foot, played as a goalkeeper for, for England and, and her clubs. When she went off to Australia, she was asked to play wing defence found it such a struggle that the team had to rearrange the defensive line to, to oh. accommodate her. 
but in in corporal you, you can't do that you have to do everything yeah you you've got to even at beginner level you still have to understand one end you're trying to stop them scoring and then the other end after two goals have been scored you're trying to score yourself and that looks different for every team at every level I'll tell you that and you still have different functions so there'll be some people that you know shoot from further away or some people that are maybe better at helping recycle the ball out so the other shooters can shoot but you all should be good at defense and good at attack even if you're playing for fun just being able to switch on and say right Shooting, not shooting. Definitely an important consideration for corkball, yeah. Have you ever got it wrong? When I first started, I was like, why Why are we changing halves? I was here, I was happy. Why are we moving? <laughs> and actually, my, my, I've got a younger sister and she'd come along to an Edinburgh City, um, it's where I play now. She'd come along to like a social Friday session and she'd been watching corfball. She's heard me talk about it for years, the last five years. She's been like, I'm fed up of this chat about corfball. I'm going to come along and see. She was like, why are we changing ends? What's happening? What do I do now? <laughs> and this is someone that's like, she's watched me play corfball on like YouTube and whatever. She's seen clips. She's like, why are you changing ends? Maybe that's the biggest one to get used to. Because I can't think of any other sports where you, you swap like that. Um, I can't think of anything. I can't, yeah, I can't either. No. Not, not as quickly as that. Um, yeah. I suppose maybe cricket, when they sort of change ends or something like this. Okay, yeah. That's, not... more, that's more of a one-to-one. It's a lot slower, I suspect, than mm. your, your average invasion sport. Yes. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Okay, let's let's talk a bit more about your career. Yeah. So now you're playing for Edinburgh City. Yes, yes. With the famous Dan Pratt. Yes, and Cash used to play at Edinburgh City before he moved down south. And Jack Pitt, who's also on your podcast earlier, he's coaching our second team as well so it's quite an involved team with your your podcast. Tell us a bit about the club why is Edinburgh City the best team in in the country? Well I'm not sure we're the best team in the country but I think it's the best fit for for me at least but I haven't given the other kind of grown-up teams a try maybe I could be tempted. Um, What can I tell you about Edinburgh City? It's been on the go for a while I joined them as a coach not unlike what Jack's doing I was coaching their brand new third team a couple of years back I think it was the year before the pandemic maybe the one just before yeah so it's currently expanded to now have four teams and we range from the first team which is quite a lot of Scotland internationals on it past and present all the way through to people who've who've never played corfball before show up as well so we've got quite a good range that means that whatever it is you're looking for you can find a slot their fourth team's brand new this year and it's been really nice to see that people are coming back to competitive sport after the pandemic and I've always had a lot of I always find it very impressive when adults come along and try something brand new without knowing anybody else there they come along and try brand new sport 
it must be really overwhelming to meet all these people who you think are the best at this sport that you've got no idea how to play you're being told what to do you don't know where you are who you are so I always have a lot of admiration for people that come along and we've got a good number of them in our fourth team brand new beginners it's, it's just it's really nice we have a couple of socials as well we've got socials on a Friday which is also a nice break from quite competitive training on a Wednesday to getting to catch up with people that you might not train with regularly. It's a cracking team, a good bunch of people. Corfball seems to be quite a social sport, quite an inclusive sport. I think so, yes. I think it tries its best to be inclusive at all levels. And there's definitely more that people can do to to work towards that within their own clubs. But I think that is the the whole idea behind corfballs. It's trying to include and equalise as many people as possible. Is that why you stayed in the sport? Is that... Well, I think as soon as they got me coaching, that that was it. That was the click. I maybe could have been been persuaded to not bother after my first year, but once they got me coaching, I was like, no, I'm I'm in for I'm in for the ride now. And especially when you get coached by other people as well, your skills begin to get challenged, and you pick up little bits and pieces and you can improve it's what I'm saying about finding it so impressive that new people come along as I was a new people five years ago and how quickly you can pick up the skills if you want to put in the work and if you've got the right people around you that want to encourage you and support you. Edinburgh City is a great wee team but I do hear good things about the rest of the clubs in Scotland I just won't tell you which ones. So you went you went straight from Edinburgh Uni Corporal Club to Edinburgh City? Yeah, so I had an overlap where I was coaching but not playing for them and then I popped across once I was finished with uni um, to Edinburgh City. Yep. And how's that been going? How, how have you been, been doing? Straight into the first team, was it? Or Well, we, we had a little, a little wobble where we were first team, second team and helping out. Um, so I was coaching their second team when I went over as a player and there was a lot I had to work on, a lot of skills that... When you're at uni, you think, oh, I'm great at everything. The same way you do when you're in high school and you're a senior and you're looking down at younger kids, you're like, I know everything. I I didn't know everything. I had a lot to learn. So, no, I played for the twos whilst I was coaching them. And that was a real challenge, actually, to try and manage game management, player management, and then your own expectations for your own game. But we did get promoted, which was a fantastic achievement considering that So the way the league used to work is there was two divisions. The top division would be sort of first teams and higher level. um, And the second division would be lower level teams, still competitive, but we got promoted from one end to the other. And now the league's split. With the extra four teams that have been added, there's a a whole stack of new teams that have come out of the pandemic, not just at City. So they're now playing really competitive games against Edinburgh Mavericks 1 and 2. They're playing City 1 as well and Glasgow. It was a huge achievement to get the team to kind of click together and they did it on their own they did it was just encouragement for me and one or two goals but not that many um but since that it's been going really well even during the pandemic it was we were still finding ways to sort of keep in touch there was video calls that went on probably too long into the evenings (laughs) quizzes that also probably went on too long into the late night and some training in the park once contact was a little bit more allowed. We were training with one of the university teams down on an AstroTurf pitch, which was quite fun. And now we're back in a hall. We've got a fourth team and we're playing competitive matches again. All of Edinburgh City's teams have been smashing it all the way through from our first team, all the way through to the fourth. We've been giving it our best. And you can see some of the games on 
online and see the fixtures, fixture results. It's fantastic. We've been smashing it. So what team are you playing for now within the city set up? So I'm on their first team just now. And top of the table? Well, we're, we're, we're hopeful. Ezra Mavericks are, they're, they're a very strong team and they've been undefeated for several years, at least as far as I'm aware, as long as I've been playing corfball, though I could be corrected. Um, and we had a game actually the other weekend that it felt really good with, uh, we've got a new coach come in, Dave, and I think the way he managed the game was really, really good, managed expectations, took a lot of the pressure off to say, well, we'll go out and see what we can do. And what we can do was pretty close. Uh, there were two goals in it at the end, so it was nice to see that our hard work sort of paying off. It's beginning to feel good when we're playing. Um, so I imagine that will be the clash for the the next face-to-face of the season. It'll be looking at Edinburgh Mavericks one and seeing what happens, so, which is exciting. It's nice to get excited about competitive games like that. I know that the, there's a couple of teams in the lower leagues before it was kind of split further that you'd have quite comfortable wins. And to the point possibly where some of the score lines were quite brutal. So it's nice to know that we're not getting dominated anymore like that. We're beginning to to push and challenge. So it'll be a good one to keep posted on, I think. We touched it on on this a little bit earlier on, but what have been the biggest successes of your career so far? Ooh, well, it would be it would be helping that second team um, to be promoted, definitely. I think that's been the most recent one as a coach. Although at university, we go to the competition for Bucks. Um, it's the British University College something. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's where you play on their university teams across a range of sports, but there's one for Corfball. And we took our wee threes down and we did okay. And then the next year we took the twos and the threes down and it was mental. It was one team was playing on one court, then it was the next team. And there was a lot of energy going around around, and everyone was so amped up and it worked. Some people, I would have been very flustered with that sort of energy and enthusiasm for the game. But we took two squads down, it was Cash and I actually. And just to see people clicking with the game and being like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. They're getting competitive games against people of a similar level. So they weren't feeling too they weren't being too dominated that they were like, oh, I can't take these risks. And they played real corfball. So it was nice to see complete beginners grow to quite confident players. And they're now still still at university. They're involved. They're the president of the club. They're coaching. Um, so I think that would be another win coach-wise. And I guess player-wise, I'm actually just, I'll say just back. It was a couple of weeks ago, but I went away with the Scotland squad to Poland for the European Championships. And I'm considering that a success, yes. Being that you're now a full sporting international player, that's pretty impressive. Yes, yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise to be picked, but I've been working quite hard and it was definitely an experience and it's something I'd really like to continue working towards. I'd like to be like to be back at the Europeans one year, definitely. How do you get on? Yeah, so Scotland, um, we came fourth, which is absolutely fantastic. So obviously the pandemic's kind of delayed things and in my first couple of years playing corfball, I honestly wasn't that interested. So I've only really kept up with the kind of previous rounds of Europeans. And comparatively, it seems like the team were really happy to be there and they were really happy with the result. It's a nice mix of kind of less experienced players like myself and people that have been playing for a long time. But no, it, was, it was a great trip to go away and have the opportunity to be like, oh, this is, this is real corfball. We played 
Poland, who went on to win, and actually Scotland beat Poland when it was our first game against a home crowd, and oh, it was it was a really good experience, definitely. Just want to go back and do it more, do it again. Uh, so yeah, I reckon that'd be a that'd be a highlight, and also to be enjoying the sport again. I found it quite challenging as a player coach last year, so it's quite nice to have a little bit of the player back, a little bit less coaching. And enjoying games against Edinburgh Mavericks, not being nervous about it, feeling like, yeah, I can give that a go. I, I could do well here. Yeah, so there's there's been a few a few highlights, I think, all very recent. <laughs> yes. What have been the challenges? Oh, challenges. Mm. Well, ba- balance and time. Um, back working, studying, corfballing, trying to set time limits because you just you want to do what's fun don't you you don't want to write a dissertation in a dark library when you could be in a hall with 40 other people having fun and so I found that really difficult and also it's quite difficult tactically as something I've always struggled with as a coach is to find resourcing for oh that's why we do that thing tactically I didn't grow up watching a lot of sport. Like I watch the football and I quite enjoy watching it. But in terms of tactics for corfball, I'm a little bit weaker there. So that's been a challenge that if I've been pressed to come up with a solution for a problem in a game, I'll just rely on what I know rather than, oh, I've seen this in a game before. There's something I've been working on. Challenges, I guess everyone, everyone hates getting feedback about things they're rubbish at. Whilst it has been done very well with the right level of detail and the timing's been good, it's always a challenge to hear what you need to work on, isn't it? Yeah, no, nobody likes being told that they're doing it wrong, do they? But it's, No, but without that, then I wouldn't have been able to work on it and improve and I might not have been away to Poland without a little bit of harsh feedback. So it's knowing, it's knowing who to tell what and when. Some people... Some people really like being shouted at as a form of feedback on the court. They quite like that. You should be doing this right now. Some people prefer a like, quiet step to the side. I prefer having it written down so I don't forget. <laughs> but yeah, it's knowing, it's knowing what feedback to use and when, which is it's hard to receive, but it's also quite hard to give. People experience the same thing in so many different ways, process it. Even the language used can be more inclusive. It can be quite difficult to say this is something you'd need to improve on without completely destroying somebody's confidence as well that can be a real challenge I think. Have you developed a method that you find works? Well they always say it should be positive negative positive but if there's a real if there's a real thing you know you're just not catching the ball I'm not going to be like well at least you've tried but you didn't catch it but you tried. I think being honest is the best thing you can do and try not to overwhelm somebody. Um, even at any point, if you're given instructions or feedback, I've done quite a lot of reading to see that a person only really remembers two out of the three of the things you say. So if you're doing positive, negative, positive, they're gonna remember the two positives, aren't they? <laughs> so yeah, it depends on the person. It's really, really subjective. And some people just prefer being more direct and some people Some people you have to take a little bit more time with to say that it's not a personal thing. It's more of like a skill-based item. It really depends on the person and you'll get it wrong. I've definitely had it wrong. And I've also been given bad feedback in my time, although not so much at Edinburgh City, but definitely getting used to playing corkball. It's definitely difficult. Yeah. The Half Court Press 
is a multi-sport media outlet. You can check out our articles, opinion pieces and PDF magazines on our website www.halfcourtpressmagazine.com So let's find out a bit more about, about you, about the personality of Christy Smiley. Yes, okay. Let's start with what do you do outside of Corfball? What do I do outside of Corfball? Well, so I'm currently working as a data analyst. I've, I've mentioned that I already like my pretty graphs. Um, I'm hoping to do more pretty graphs in a new job soon, hopefully. Other hobbies, I mean, Corfball can take up as much time as you want it to, if you let it. <laughs> but currently I have some free evenings. I'm involved with a group called the Scottish Outdoor Young Team. It was a friend of a friend set it up. It's a Facebook group, but the idea is, is to connect adults and various outdoor hobbies to try and meet new people. I know I've mentioned university quite a lot, but it can be really difficult to meet people outside of that. You have to make loads of friends at university bubble. Maybe you want to try canoeing. Well, this group's sort of set up so you can join it and you can add in your preferences. You can say, oh, if you want to go rock climbing, pop it in the chat and someone will go rock climbing with you. So I'm involved with that group, although I don't do very many outdoor hobbies. <laughs> I joined it as a challenge to see, actually, no, I can go and meet new people and try new things. I don't just have to do corfball. So I bounce up a couple of hills every now and again. I don't mind my row bagging. I'm definitely not. Not a pro at it, but climbing up a hill sometimes can be good fun. Sometimes I do that with my camera. Um, I recently got a camera at the start of the year after years of taking photos on my phone and thinking, no, nah, I could treat myself to a camera. Got it in the Christmas sales and I've been practicing photography and um, learning how to edit photos and what works, what doesn't. Um, and if I think it's a great photo, Instagram might not. <laughs> yeah, this is mostly where I share my photos, but I'd love to to print some out and see how they look on a wall or, you know, a little bit more formal and just get them printed off for, for use. My background, you can see I've got some photos from holidays before. They're all blue, they're all seascapes. And see, I guess those are my main hobbies. I've been going to the gym a fair bit. I've got a PT, James, and he's been absolutely fantastic. We've been working together for a good couple of months now um, in one of the gyms in Edinburgh and we've been sort of working towards kind of sport specific goals but it's nice to feel strong so I've been really enjoying that he's written me up a, a program and it involves running which is kind of horrible and quite a lot of gym sessions I was actually in the gym this morning that's how much I enjoy it so I've got a fair range of hobbies just corfball is the main one on the on the exercise and keeping fit aspect I did my dissertation I did a sports degree yeah oh nice and my my dissertation was on adolescent female dropout from sport okay and one, one of the things that I, I learned about in, the, in this process was the concepts between aesthetic fitness and a practical fitness ah okay oh, 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 aesthetic versus functional right okay right. yeah Young ladies who only exercise to, to have, or young people who only exercise to have nice-looking legs or nice-looking ch- uh, chest yeah. or stomach muscles, whatever. Once they get that, they tend to drop out and have, and that can also have associated uh, mental health issues. Yes. Young women who are who train towards a functional or practical fitness program tend to stay in sport longer. Uh-huh. I, want, okay. I, I want to be faster. I want to be, be stronger. I want to jump higher. Yeah. 
I guess they're more more tangible goals than whichever body type it is you want to look like. That'll always change because the media is always giving you inspiration, bad inspiration. But yeah, real tangible goals that you could measure. Be like, no, I'm faster than I was, or I'm lifting heavier than I was. It's it's really enjoyable, actually. Definitely something. Yeah, going to the gym doesn't need to be scary. Typically men, but scary strong people lifting weights, throwing them down on the ground and grunting. It is it's quite accessible, I've found here. Um, and James definitely has the idea. Sports fitness is what he wants to do. I think he has a few sort of aesthetic-based clients. So he's quite happy for a bit more of a challenge. Like he's put sprints in the program, which you might not do for, um, for a bodybuilder. You might not do for a powerlifter, but someone that plays a sport that he'd never heard of before. He's like, I'll pop some sprints in there. We'll do some speed squats. We'll do a lot of split squats. Those are those are particularly painful this morning. What makes you you? What makes Pretty Smiley unique? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I've just finished my CV. <laughs> I'm not going to read you the first line, but it's along the lines of team player, works well under pressure, and is a keen eye for detail. <laughs> You know, it's a really good question. It'd be really fun to hear what other people think makes me me. And I'm sure it'll always evolve and change, or at least I hope it will. I'm quite chatty. I think that's a good thing to have. I think I can be quite confident, which helps with the chatty. Especially on a podcast. It, it makes a difference, doesn't it? <laughs> Let me think. I, I once had a, a personal tutor who was a fantastic gent, but he described me as <laughs> decidedly average <laughs> because I was getting very average grades. And he's like, you're decidedly average, aren't you? So I quite like that. I've also, I've had feedback that I am very enthusiastic about really weird things like rocks. But yeah, I guess just hopefully folk think I'm just a little bit different. I quite like that. I'd take that as a win. People are like, yeah, Christy, she's a wee bit different. I'd like that. As a geologist, do you like hard rock music? Do you know what? I don't mind about rock music, yeah. <laughs> I quite like my indie rock at the moment. Yeah, it's been nice to go back to gigs and hear live music again. I was at a gig the other day and it was electronic pop. But yeah, rock music can be good fun. I'm a fan of a rock pun as well, absolutely. And I'm sure there's ones I've not heard yet. Hopefully by the time I'm old and grey, I'll have heard all the rock puns and we'll be, we'll be done and dusted. <laughs> What is your approach to sports? Ooh, okay. Approach to sports. Ooh. I think you just have to give it a go, don't you? My, my personal approach is I quite like training quite competitively and I quite like knowing that oh, was a sweaty session. I've done well. Um, but like I think as a coach, my approach would be give it a go, see how you get on and then we can improve. But just get stuck in and try there's a lot of throwing people in at the deep end which I understand doesn't work for everybody but here's the ball go and throw it approach can be quite good for some people but I quite like a bit more of a serious training quite competitive and quite a lot of collaboration teamwork a little bit of the coaches talking but you also feel included you can pipe up if you've got an opinion or questions which is two very different scales there isn't it there's one at one end and one at the other what have been the major experiences in your corporate career, in your corporate life, that have perhaps changed or improved your outlook on sport or life? I think I've talked about most of them, but I think the confidence from 
I used to get really nervous before coaching, especially when I was starting out and I was beginning to get, oh, people are coming along to these sessions. It's quite busy. The confidence that comes from that and seeing that people are listening, people are enthusiastic and they want to try. Um, And that's because I've created a space, hopefully, that people feel that they can try and make mistakes. I think that was something that was really valuable to learn. So you can get confidence from how other people respond and not just internalising it, being like, oh, I can do this, I can do that. Other people doing it. I guess getting good feedback as well from from students that played has been quite important. And I guess we've ticked off all the other major ones with the promotion and beginning to play for Scotland. And yeah, I I hope there's more, more to come. Is there anything particularly important to you in sports? Is, is there any sort of demographic or something that you would like to see better or more improved? Yes, I would. So I've obviously been mentioned in universities quite a lot, and it's a really easy way to get involved in sports at college or university. But there's a particular demographic associated with studies, even in Scotland. You do have international students, yes, but for potentially lower income communities who might not be interested in studying or might not get into university because they might not have went to schools that encouraged them to study. I think that's really a really important way to try and make corporal more accessible um, to people who might be struggling for funding. There's also a real lack of visibility for people of colour in corporal, possibly again linked to university, potentially. It's not really a question that I feel fully able to address but it's something that I'd like to see sort of picked up by various teams to say well what can we do to get people of colour or different communities involved with corporal but I'm only really experienced as as a as a white woman I've had a huge amount of privilege in corporal but it would be nice to see a little bit more representation in higher levels and so in the development board and the SKA and I think it's a development board but in refereeing positions there's been a huge amount of female coaches in corfball this year. I think there's, there's there's many back when I was at university. There maybe wasn't so many, but I don't think again it wasn't it wasn't because there wasn't a space for that. There just wasn't really an interest. Um, so maybe addressing why some women might not want to would be interesting. And I guess you could apply that to the other groups that aren't quite as well represented in corfball. But I think that would be a something I'd be more comfortable talking about is the where are the women and what are we doing and why do we not want to do it why why don't women want to referee I, I personally don't I haven't really thought about why why is it hard to get females to coach in previous years but this year there's more so I guess between those issues <laughs> it has been um corfball is definitely I, I find it to be quite inclusive but there's definitely areas where they're just quite quite aren't as there aren't as many people from the various groups you would expect in like a basketball team when people have been playing since childhood you get involved at primary school and maybe you continue to play maybe there's more funding that's more accessible for more people I'm sure it happens in netball as well but I've really seen it in basketball um, so it'd be interesting to try and address that I think that will take a fair bit of time yes well one issue in, in Edinburgh is that it's simply not a very diverse city in one respect people are there so it's making it, like I say, accessible to everybody and making sport known. Considering some of the things you've been talking about, are we touching upon positive discrimination, over-promoting certain demographics to get them into the roles in the first place? It's an interesting thought. Positive discrimination can benefit many groups. 
but unless you're going to actually address a problem if it exists i'm not sure i'm not really sure how to solve it to be honest i guess over advertising to certain groups may work maybe addressing the problem with people who already exist in scottish corfball and being like what are your thoughts on this how do you feel about positive discrimination would this work do you think this is important yeah it's a difficult one it really is and i know that wasn't really much of an answer you know what i think putting your hand up and saying i don't know is an important step in many respects rather than it can be yeah yeah i'd be interested to hear definitely more opinions on this one it can't just be me that's feeling like oh there should be more people playing but more people from where We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't think we have a, a problem. I don't I don't feel like it's that at all. So I should be quite clear there. Just it'd be interesting to see if the, the representation of people from various groups is reflected in Corfball as it is in the cities that we live in, or if there's a problem that's maybe preventing people from joining people of colour or people from various minorities. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I think it'll take a whole lot of study in that one. On a side note, you're not the first person in this series to bring something up like this up. Yes, uh, the gent that recommended me to you or vice versa um, had suggested that there's there's a little bit of a problem here and they're absolutely somebody that I'd want to, to hear their opinions on. So I'll wait till that one comes out. I'll be excited to hear it. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. As we wind up, the first question is how do we improve corporal? But I think we've covered that. I think so. I think we have covered it. But more visibility would help across all ranges. I mean, my parents only know what corporal is is because I play it. So it would be interesting to see what can we do to increase corfball's visibility? That might help solve some of the issues that have been highlighted in our last question. Instead of people being like, oh, is that like Quidditch? But maybe maybe that comes from workplace engagement, focusing on not just universities. So I think, yeah, trying, trying to grow corfball and maybe have more of a, a regional league that's not just in Scotland, but maybe there's more teams in Glasgow. Maybe there's more teams in Dundee. Maybe there's teams back in Aberdeen again. Maybe that's part of a solution and kind of grow in the sport. I think I think Jack's doing some work on that, Jack Pitt. But how do we grow corfball? And I, I think it's visibility and including everybody. Yeah. Who have been the best players that you've played with? Ooh, that's a good question. So I've been playing with the same folk for many years. <laughs> there was a, a Dutch player who was at university for a couple of years whilst I was there, and he was fantastic. I hadn't really seen real skill in corfball playing with beginners. But when I started playing for the higher teams in Edinburgh, Tice stood out as a player. And um, there was also a woman called Robin who'd been playing since she was a since she was a kid, played down south. I'm not entirely sure where. So it was nice to see that sort of level initially to be like, oh wow, these are really good players. But I guess I guess going away to the Euros was nice to see the standard of play that can happen in Scotland and take little bits and pieces from all the, all the players that were there, like how Jen Merritt might shoot or how Jenna might defend can be really nice to see. So it's taking little bits and pieces from those people and being like, oh, I really like how they did that. 
Um, I don't really know the names of any of the big players anywhere else, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's very, very limited to the Scottish League, especially Division Two. <laughs> Who have been the best players that you've played against? Against? I enjoy playing against players that challenge me and... Yes, I might make some silly mistakes, but I can go back and think, oh, no, like I held my own here or this is what I might want to improve. And I think the first time I got to do that was we'd went away in my. Yeah, I think it was we went away to a box competition and you're playing against students who probably started just like you did, but they clicked with it quickly. I, I couldn't tell you their names, but there's some fantastic players at Nottingham University. There were some really good players. That I think it was. Oh, I can't remember the name. It was like three letters. It might have been UAE. I think it was UAE, maybe, the East Anglia University. It was a fantastic player down there. Um, and I really like playing against people I know in other teams. I have a friend who'd played for Glasgow, and every time we get matched up, I'd be like, oh, it's great to play against you, Nadine. She's moved down south to Bristol Thunder now, not for corfball, but for work. Um, so when she's listening, she'll, she'll text me when she hears this bit. Yeah, I think probably the first time I've played against really good students stands out. But every time we play, every time we play Mavs is always fun. <laughs> yeah, they've got fantastic players there, real range as well. Not just good at anything, good attack and defense. You really get challenged. It's the full board as well. I wouldn't say one player. Every single player challenges me in a different way, which makes them the best that week. Who have been the best coaches that you've worked with? So I worked quite a lot coaching with Dan Pratt and Ella Paul, actually. I have a lot of time for Cash, a lot of time for the effort that Cash puts into playing corfball and encouragement. So I, I guess it's been quite limited to working with those two. Is that Cashif Urshad? Urshad, yes. I, I really enjoyed working with Cash because he kind of helped with the, the tactical side that I mentioned I was a bit weaker at and was really encouraging and he's very complimentary about getting involved in corfball. So yeah, I've worked a lot with Dan. He started coaching the year I started playing. So in terms of variety, it's not really there. Although this year, I'm really enjoying the coach that we have at Edinburgh City. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts, and interviews. What has been your favourite game of corfball as a player? Ooh, okay. Hmm. Favourite game. I'll go for I'll go for the easy one. I'll say last weekend playing against Mavs one. I think it was the nicest feeling game. It wasn't that good to watch back on YouTube. It was a good game, but it wasn't like, wow, that's amazing corfball. But mostly because how it felt going in, it was like, oh, right, okay, expectations have been managed. There's no pressure. And it felt like we clicked as a team. So I'll say, I'll say that one. I've got rubbish games as well. I've got games where we lost like 20 nil. 
coaching. But I think playing last weekend stands out, mostly because it was so recent. But it's nice to feel positive, even about a loss. And I think that's that's quite a skill for a coach to be able to turn that into a victory to build on. What has been your favourite game of corporal as a fan? Oh, as a fan. Well, when we were away for the Euros with COVID restrictions and such, we were staying in a hotel and we didn't really want to go back through to the, the venue to watch the games live. So we were watching them on YouTube. They were streamed on YouTube in like the hotel's conference room. Um, so we're all sat around like a big table. We've all got our tea or our like Diet Coke from the, the hotel bar. So it was like one o'clock in the evening, eh, one o'clock in the afternoon, sorry. Um, I think we were watching maybe one of the Ireland games up on the screen. You can see the YouTube comments going up on the side. And it was, wasn't just watching it on my own, you know, having my own opinions. You can hear the person next to me going, referee, that's ridiculous. That wasn't a penalty. Or like encouragement because maybe someone knows someone else on the Welsh team or the Polish team. So it was probably the most fun I've had watching a game. Level of corpal, I couldn't tell you. I can't really remember. But it was quite a nice experience to watch with, you know, players that understand the game. But no, I should probably start watching a bit more corfball. So we were away with the B division um, and the A division corfball. The Europeans, um, they played, I think it was possibly two weeks ago. Um, so your top level teams, the Netherlands, Belgium, England, Catalonia were there, various countries. And I watched a bit of the final. Um, I shouldn't have been watching too much because I was supposed to be working. Um, I tuned in for a little bit on. It was, it was beautiful corfball. To, to see the standard that Scottish corfball could move towards. Yeah, there's some really good corfball in there, definitely. Some really good stuff. And your favourite game of corfball as a coach? Mm, as a coach. I always quite like someone's first game. I really like, because you know that'll be there, they'll remember that one. I remember my first game. I couldn't tell you about a game I played five weeks ago. Coaching somebody in their first game is always good fun. But as a coach, I reckon, oh, there was this horrendous game. We were at the qualifiers for the, the Bucks one year, and it was hosted at Strathclyde University. And I was playing in a team. I was coaching two teams. And at one point, the two teams played each other. <laughs> and the twos and the threes were playing each other. And you, you've kind of got to pick, you know? You can't really do both teams at the same time. And um, thankfully I had cash there to help and a few other people were sort of helping with some little bits and pieces. But I absolutely loved it because there's nothing quite like playing one of your own teams to really like amp everybody up. They were full of energy. They were running all over the place. Absolutely chaotic. Um, and I think we had like a halftime team talk. I think I was taking the threes and they just like clicked. They got it. They were sorted and they had a great game. I didn't win, but that's okay. <laughs> and there was one year as well, I mentioned the, the Dutch player Tice. He was coaching a second team. So it must have been 2016. And my wee threes, all the wee beginners, um, they were a range of, range of abilities. We didn't know how well it was going to go. Someone's first game. I think we were also back after maybe like the Christmas winter break. And we beat the second team and they went mental. They were so happy with themselves because they were like, oh, we're never going to beat a team that's supposed to be better than us. And then they did. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed that one. Really enjoyed it. And I hope they still remember that moment of like realising that we'd won. 
because <laughs> they just the surprise and the shock on their faces was definitely a memory for me that one so it's more of a more of an emotional response there then i think so yeah because i mentioned i feel like the tactical side of my um corporal skills is a bit weaker so i tend to really click with extreme enthusiasm or that game was rubbish but yeah it's, it's about the people i think for me like remembering what they were doing rather than oh, do you remember when this person passed the ball from the feed and they scored and they were this distance away? It's like, oh, maybe if I'd watched it again. But remembering other people's responses, I think it must be the secret to me enjoying corkball. And on that note, yeah, I think we shall say thank you very much, Christy Smiley. Thank you for having me. I shall give you your full signature of Christy Smiley of Edinburgh City Corkball Club and Scotland. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.